Hello and welcome to R Plus J Equals Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Gatula. This is our season-ending mailbag edition. Here's my co-host, Regina Gatula. How you Did doing? Did you get all of that? This is like our 10th time starting. Yeah, let's get to it. Okay. So, of course, it's time for the finals. Did you send the ravens? That was your job. Your only job. Send the raven of the season. Yeah, you guys are probably tired of us now, but don't worry, it's the last one. You won't hear about us in Game of Thrones till 2019, apparently. Oof. <laughs> Oof, that's a long time. All right. That's a long time. We've grouped these into categories. The first category is, it's like Jeopardy or something, all about them Lannisters. All right. All right, first question from Scott Roberts. Scott asks, wait, why didn't Zombie Mountain kill Jamie right there? Is Cersei giving him a head start or something? Uh, Carly Hess also says, that's a question I also had. You answer it. <laughs> you know, it was it was a weird scene because she definitely nodded. Yeah, for sure. Right? She nodded. So that's why I truly thought he was going to die. I thought that's the moment that we were going to see the end of Jamie Lannister. And then he just says, I don't believe you and starts walking away. Does it take a verbal command? Yeah, from maybe the rules is that it needs a verbal command. And also he's wearing all that crap around his face. Yeah. Maybe he didn't even see I mean, the head nod. He's kind of brain dead, so nonverbal communication probably doesn't <laughs> That go could through. be it. Let's just go with that. But at the same time, the whole head start, that that's kind of a good idea. But how would the mountain know that that was Cersei's intention? Yeah. Let's just go with that a verbal... Nonverbal communication is not the most yes, strong suit. A verbal order is what is required yep. for the mountain to chop off someone's head or yep. squish it. Okay. Second question. Keith Rodenbostel asks, what was our favorite scene of the season? He liked Cersei and Tyrion's scene, and he says it had to be at least in the top five the acting was so on point, and the writing actually stayed true to the characters' personalities and intentions. So, ooh, my favorite scene, I think I'm going to have to say, is when Littlefinger died. Just mm. because I was so relieved and so happy about it, because I was stressed out and assumed the worst this entire season when it wasn't, I just felt like, a huge stress level was lifted yeah. from my shoulders. And I just love seeing Littlefinger beg. <laughs> just his acting and then begging and then crying. It was so gratifying. So I'm going to have to go with that. So next time I rewatch the episode, I always think about that scene and how I'm looking forward to rewatching yeah. it. So there's two scenes that stick out for me. Uh, unfortunately, Keith, it wasn't the one you won- you picked. But I would say that's definitely top five. For me, action-wise, obviously, I'd say Loot Train. Loot Train, just that first moment that the dragon just started wrecking Mm -hmm. the shit out of all the Lannister men. Because that's the first time we really see the dragon kill, like, Westerosi troops and, like, Mm -hmm. be in all of its glory. And you get to see all the Dothraki in all of their glory standing up on their horses as well. You know what? You're actually right. I thought he was talking about the favorite scene of the episode. Oh, now I no. have to think of the favorite scene of the season. Well, let me... Th- I'm going to have to say Loot Train yeah? then. Yeah. So here I'll pose this to you. What is your favorite non-action scene? 
What is my favorite knot? Okay, fine. Oof, gosh, little finger. Yeah, that's the one that's sticking out to me the most. I I was I number two. I mean, I actually did like the John Dragon scene where he fills up Drogon's face, just because it was just so foreshadowing to him confirming that he's a Targaryen. And Drogon was like, "Hey, don't fuck this lady. It's your aunt." (laughs) (laughs) But he can't talk. Um. I really did like that scene, and now I'm going to be listing out all the scenes. Well, the I train. I liked. I did like when Sansa and Bran when they hugged it out for like half a second. It wasn't. It was. It was. It's never going to be as good as John and Sansa back in season six, but it gave me a moment of happiness before he became Bran robot. So strangely enough, for me. The other scene that sticks out a lot for me, because it was the only time this season that I actually felt tension and dread, like something bad was going to happen, was that Cersei and Jamie scene. Mm. I really was 100% convinced that Jamie was going to die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to put that as my like top scene. I know that's a weird choice, yeah. but it really sticks out in my mind because... Like I've been saying, Jamie was always one of my favorite characters in the books, uh-huh. and I've been waiting for that Jamie turn. But that moment felt right along the lines of other moments where you think somebody of your favorite character is are gonna die, yeah. right? And it felt like it was out of the blue, mm-hmm. but it didn't happen. But still, that was one that spurred the most like kind of reaction out of me. Comedy wise, my favorite is when John and Danny meet and Davos doesn't have any fancy introduction for John. That and he's was like, really funny. He's the king of the north. That, I think, was probably the funniest out of the entire season in terms of comedy. Um, but, yeah. Were there any other funny scenes that I liked? Oh, you know what scene Not that's comedy? I love the Olena-Jamie scene. That was good. Sorry, Keith. We're, like, talking about all of it's our fine. favorite scenes. So it's kind of crazy that we don't have... I don't know if I have one anymore because now... I feel like that scene was really was good. good. Um, but yeah, yeah, in terms of like impactful epicness, it's the loot train battle for yeah. sure. I uh, Back to comedy, I always do like all those scenes where they make fun of Dickon's name. I thought yeah, that, was, that was good. It brought about a lot of levity. Gendry's comedy when he meets John, you're a lot, good. A lot shorter. But those are just, now we're just randomly pointing out funny I scenes. I know. <laughs> you know, I want to re-answer this question a couple of months when I actually rewatch the season. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll make a podcast just for it. Yeah, no. we'll do that. No. All right, Sherlyn David asks, does Tyrion know, truly know Cersei's intentions, or does he continue to underestimate her? What was said in the conversation for her to pretend to fight for the Great War? I think Tyrion doesn't know. It conven- continues his streak of <laughs> losing, essentially, this season. Yeah, I think in that conversation that they had and we didn't get to see it finish i think we're supposed to imply that he believes her because she's pregnant so she herself doesn't want to see her unborn child or her baby when she has it die or if she has it at this point Um, so that's how i'm taking it the reason why he oddly believes her is because she's pregnant so he knows that she does love her children and that's the only redeeming quality that Cersei has so she wouldn't want anything to happen to that baby and she would want the realm to essentially survive yeah I agree with that Scott Roberts uh, with a two-pack of questions to end the Lannister section 
Follow-up mountain question. He's watching the episode again. <laughs> Considering that the unboxed zombie got about two feet away from Cersei, maybe he's not really that good at his bodyguard job. This goes back to maybe his he can he has- only react to verbal <laughs> verbal orders. I mean, maybe he just, he's also like this weird zombie slash human. Maybe he just has delayed reactions. Maybe he has a soft spot for other zombies. Maybe. Maybe he's like, oh, that could have been me in a different life. But yeah, maybe he just has delayed reactions. Also, that's actually a good point. I don't know. Yeah. He's kind of dumb. We have I mean, to assume he that he doesn't really have a brain. He doesn't have the best reaction time he's dead and he's huge so yeah i mean that look zombie at, was fast it, even before he be- became whoever he is or whatever he is now when he was fighting the fight with oberon i mean oberon was agile you and raped fast. them you he murdered was, them he was still a little kind of slow i think the advantage that the mountain has when he in terms of fighting is his strength maybe not reaction time yeah. and he's not very fast so yep. Scott Roberts' last question is, hey, you think Arya is going to gank Littlefinger's face and kill Cersei in disguise as that bozo? That w- I mean, I think she's going to keep his face for sure. That, That's a very useful face. Yeah, because she did learn the ritual to steal the body, clean his naked body, yeah. and like cut the face off. So. And the way that it seems like you know, she stole Walder Frey's faces by cutting the throat, slashing yeah. the throat. So maybe it's the same way. I think she should definitely keep that face just in case for backup. Yeah. And yeah, totally use it to kill Cersei. I, Although I don't know if she's going to be the one to kill her. I do her. think you're right, at least on half of your point, in terms of her killing Cersei. I do think that's going to be her mission next year. That's my Really? Even though the White Walkers are like only a few miles away? You think yeah. John is going to come back to Winterfell and Arya's going to be like, hey, John, peace out. I'm going to go kill Cersei. He's going to be like, no, we just met with her. She's cool. She's on our side. Mm. Arya does what she does. Yeah, she, but not when list. there's a freaking ice dragon yeah. and a night king yeah, but, and death coming for but her. But the hound wants to go for the mountain, too. Remember we talked about this? Ooh, maybe they can team up. Exactly. They're going to team up together and go back down to King's Landing together. In Littlefinger's face? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we'll All right. Next section is all about the Night King, his pet white dragon, Viserion, and the White Walkers. So Annie Poor asks, how does the Night King command the dragon to blow ice? I think she means blue fire. Yeah, it's fire. Um, this is true. The The Night King doesn't talk. He doesn't say Dracarys. Okay. There's no cool music after <laughs> the, the fire comes. He has no emotion like Daenerys has so when she says Dracarys. Is it a psychic connection? Yeah, I mean, the Night King is magic. He doesn't have to have any type of verbal communication to any of the zombies when he raises them up, nor when he tells them to attack people. Yeah, I mean, So he probably has like some w- psychic mental connection to the ice dragon that works the same exact way that he communicates or controls the zombies. I mean, when you think about it, he commanded all these zombies to create the biggest chain of all time. (laughs) And then he commanded some of the zombies to overcome their fears, grab the chain, and swim super deep into this pond or lake. Well, they don't know how to swim. And not to get into plot holes, and I did like the chain uh, whole scene because it added drama. But it's drama for the sake of drama. But who... Who did go under the water to get Viserion, wrap the chain around his neck or head? It had to be a White Walker. Maybe we're totally, zom- we're totally. Maybe he has White but. Walker dolphins or White Walker penguins. <laughs> Maybe he has White Walker or zombie fish. Yeah. Okay. But they don't have fish that have hands. 
Anyways, we're digressing. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's a psychic mental connection that he has with the dragon, just like he has with the zombies. Yep. Keith Roddenbostel asks, do you think the Night King has some kind of foresight ability? I actually do. I really? think he's connected to Bran somehow. Maybe it's when he touched Bran that yeah. one time. That sounds really gross. Um, <laughs> but I, I think so. I think he lured the dragon. I think he knew it was coming, and that's why he waited. Really? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely something supernatural there. Well, he's definitely supernatural. Well, I actually terms- don't think he has foresight ability at all because, so I he, mean. He just, re- he just brought those spears just in case. A dragon well, he fight. always has those spears. The White Walkers always have those spears. Oh, that's true. And they I always forgot. have those they swords. They always, like, in that one yeah. from season two, when he raises his ice spear and then t- called them all to keep walking. Right, and yeah. didn't, and I could be totally mistaken, I don't remember if it's a sword or a spear, but back in season five with Hardhome, there was that one white walker fighting John. That was... That was that a sword or was that a spear? I think it was a sword, but I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Think, well... I mean, they probably have all sorts of weapons, including sword spears and, you know, fire ice balls. I don't know. But um, I don't think he has foresight ability because I feel like at the end of the day, the Night King is going to lose. So wouldn't he know that he will lose? So I think he there's a different. Re- I mean, I know there's a question I think maybe it just about- is some kind of mental connection with Bran and he can see what Bran's seeing. So he can see dragons. He knows that they're coming because Bran knows he called for them. It's a good theory. And he can see if that whole stupid ass mission was yeah. happening. So he became prepared. All right. Lara Andrikovs asks, what can kill a white dragon? Dragon glass. That's a, so you got to combine the big ass crossbow with dragon glass. They can make dragon glass arrows. They have a bunch of dragon yep. glass city and dragonstone. They're making, or you saw John's knife from it. They're making, I don't know, so swords. dragon glass spears. Dragon glass spears. Dragon I glass say arrows. You put a horn of dragon glass on Drogon's head, and then you fly Drogon, Drogon straight into Viserion, and he like jabs his head. Into the- but then, wouldn't Viserion blow his blue fire on Drogon's head when he's flying towards him? Whatever. Okay, I, I think that's a it's dumb worth idea. It, that's then, a dumb idea. Well, then Rago's left. You have to, it's a two on one. So, well, I think what it's gonna it's gonna it has to be the dragon glass that kills him. I don't know if Ragel and Drogon's fire can kill this dragon. Yeah, because it seems like seems stronger. Well, and also if I if you go back and watch the previous or the stupid mission. When Drogon and Rhaegal and Viserion, before he was a zombie dragon, blew fire, there was fire, and the White Walker walked yeah. past that, and that was dragon fire. That wasn't regular fire. We all know that they can they regular fire doesn't hurt them. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking maybe the the dragon fire can kill the zombies, but can't really kill it's the White Walker the or the dragon. Has to be the dragon yeah. glass, which also is weird because isn't dragon glass made of dragon fire? <laughs> Um, I think... Or is it made of the skin or blood? What is it made of? I think of? it's made from obsidian, uh-huh. which is like lava rock. Uh-huh. And then it's forged with fires from the dragon. Okay. Well, it's... I don't know. I know so it's a complicated it's process. it's not pure no, dragon No, it's not fire. dragon bone either. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's... Those properties help yeah. kill 
this dragon. But yeah, that's my theory that they're going to use dragon glass. Tony Manorino asks, do you think the Night King is bored <laughs> flying on that dragon while waiting for his slow-ass army of the dead to march south? I mean, it took them seven years to get, like, from maybe a couple hundred miles north <laughs> to Winterfell, I uh, mean, to, to the wall. His face when he was riding the Serion, it was just so lack of emotion and like it was just it was like he was bored you'd think he'd have a little more personality or look knowing, more evil yeah knowing that he finally took down the thing that's been keeping him out for fucking millennia he had no emotion it was just kind of like a whatever kind of face but um he's yeah. always bored then yeah i mean it's also funny because this slow ass zombie army is walking through the wall he can literally on the dragon, get to Winterfell so much faster. So what is he going to be doing? Just like, he doesn't have to eat, he doesn't have to shit, he doesn't have to pee. So he's just going to be like, strategically he's, planning what well, he's going to do next on he's his gotta, dragon. He's got to take care of the zombie toddlers. That's the thing. Oh, the toddlers. Man, I'm really upset that we got to not see the kindergarten school that I'm waiting for with <laughs> Craster's children. Yeah, I mean, I just think that he's just strategically planning, hanging out, taking naps. Naps. All right. Rena Ilor asks, what was the Night King's plan to take down the wall if he didn't have a dragon? So my thinking is that, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, that because he touched Bran back in season six, he would be able to get past the wall without the dragon. Because in season six, during the Hodor episode, they they were in the magic cave with the previous three-eyed raven. And... Before that, none of the zombies, none of the White Walkers could get inside that cave. But once uh, the Night King touched Bran, he was able to go through the cave and have his zombies go through. So I feel like we, like we mentioned earlier, there's some weird connection with Bran that allows him to combat the magic that the wall has, and he was able to go it. Now, in terms of taking down the wall... Maybe he would have had his million zombies climb over it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had chains. <laughs> Maybe build some sort of grappling hook or something like that to climb some ladders or just throw them over. <laughs> so this is where my whole theory about him being mentally connected to Bran kind of comes into play even more. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's even thought about coming through the wall yet. Like, maybe he hadn't planned on it yet. But once once he made that connection with Bran and he can see everything Bran is seeing, I think that's when he's like, okay, this is how I'm going to get the wall down. Yeah, because in Bran's visions, he saw Danny and her dragons. Yeah, exactly. So he was just So then he's like, the right I will lure them somehow. somehow. Yeah. That's my theory. I mean, honestly, there's no other way other than what they say in the book. That's true. Right? He could just lure them and he knew... Danny had dragons and somehow she's in Westeros and yeah, I mean he was just waiting for the right time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, maybe it's just a mix of both. Yeah. Nidhi Singh asks, what by what means do you think dragon glass will be used as a weapon? Will it be turned into dragon glass stakes? <laughs> and will they use that to slay the White Walker sires? I mean, like we said before, I think the dragon glass is gonna be used to kill all of the White Walkers and the dragon. Or 
You know how we said before, as long as they kill the Night King, they can kill this dragon. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So maybe... Maybe that's the way they kill the dragon. Yeah, maybe right? they don't even... They'll have arrows and they'll have spears and they'll obviously try to kill Viserion. But the easiest, most feasible way is to use the dragon glass to kill the Night King. And that's what they'll yeah. do. Turn them into stakes that will be used to say White Walker's sires. <laughs> I think I have one theory. What if they make dragon glass armor for John? So like um, their weapons cannot cut through it. Like the white the night But King's wouldn't weapons. that uh prevent him from being moving fast and doing all his moves? Cool moves. Cool John Snow's cool moves. I mean, he knows how to fight. He's a good swordsman. You I can't think, deny I just that. Think it'd be, I just think it'd be super cool to have Dragon Glass. It would armor, be really right? actually cool, especially because he's a Targaryen. I think too. in the books, in the leaked chapter, not the leaked chapters, released chapters by George for Winds of Winter, uh-huh. Euron has Valyrian steel armor. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is cool too. That is pretty cool. That'd be crazy. But then, who wears the Valyrian steel? Cause is is uh, Valyrian steel different from dragon glass? Yes. Okay. And I don't know how. I have to look it up. We need a we need an ultraner to yeah. a dictionary of Game of Thrones yeah. to help us understand that. Obviously, it's made stems from something dragon. Yeah. But maybe that's the one based on the dragon bones. But I'm not sure. We should just look it up. Yeah. So, last section. It's all about our favorite two incestuous people, John and Daenerys. So, yeah. Lara Indrakovs asks, "What's with Tyrion's creepy look when Danny and John are getting it on? Does he know?" I think we talked about this a little bit on the last. Yeah, podcast. and I read an article um, with the director and Peter Dinklage. I believe I think it was two separate articles that I read. To clarify, because everybody was freaking, including myself, why why was it so ominous? Why was it so serious? Why so serious? But um, I think it's because, like we discussed, and what uh, Joe said earlier, is that Tyrion knows that now that they're together or have feelings for each other and consummated that their, their relationship, that it's going to get more complicated. He's kind of lost some influence on Daenerys now because she will listen to Jon. He also knows that she might react in a different way because she has feelings for Jon, so she might do something or a step that might prevent her from getting to the Iron Throne because of John. It just makes all of it a little bit harder versus mm-hmm. if she was just detached and just had one focus of becoming the queen of the Seven Kingdoms. That's all she had. But now she has John. She has feelings. She has like this guy next to her. And it kind of makes Tyrion probably in a place where his ear to her isn't as solidified as it used to be. Dave Gamblin asks, in the pantheon of Game of Thrones family sex, where does John and Danny stack up compared to the following? Jamie and Cersei Lannister, Craster and Gilly, Ares and Rhaella Targaryen, the Mad King and his wife, his sister wife, <laughs> uh, and Tywin and Joanna Lannister, which is something we had to look up. Joanna Lannister was actually the first cousin of Tywin. Yeah, I didn't know that. So now I'm thinking maybe John is, and Danny won't even care that they're incestuous. Is that why Tyrion's a dwarf? <laughs> I, I know, don't know. I don't know if that's mean, but through science, yeah, right? I mean, 
biologically, if you have are part of an incestuous relationship, your children have your chances are your higher. Chances are for higher deformities. for deformities and all sorts of issues. So even science is telling us incest is wrong. Yeah. But anyways, well, right, um, we're gonna rank these from grossest yep. to least gross. Okay. So we already agreed that the grossest is Craster and Gilly. Yeah, that's straight up father and yeah. daughter. Yeah, and he's like raping them essentially. Right? Yes. All, that's why everybody hated Craster the most, so fuck that And guy. there's like a mixture of pedophilia in yeah. there because he probably started raping them when they were like very yeah. young girls. So that's definitely the grossest. Yeah. Number two, I'm going to have to say... Jamie and Cersei. I mean, I feel like it has to be a tie between Jamie and Cersei and Ares and Rhaella, right? Well, let's think about this. Jamie and Cersei are literally brother and sister. Well, obviously oh, they're, they're brothers. Twins. They're twins. They they came, they were in the womb together. They literally came out together. They they grew up together. They were tied more than just being brother and sister. They were twins. So you're basically asking They're basically me- the same person. They're basically having Sex with each other. <laughs> is that more gross, or is that just equal to a brother and a normal brother and sister? Well, I think it's the same in terms of blood. But it, twins, don't you have? Don't you share more DNA than a standard brother and sister? Yeah, but that's not what makes it gross. What makes it gross is that you're brother and sister. Well, obviously, maybe so I think, I think I'm it's gonna, tied. I, I'm just gonna go with Jamie and Cersei if I'm forced to rank rank right. it because also with the Targaryens, like. Everybody knows it's not weird for the Targaryens to get together. Oh, that's true. So I'm going to say Jamie and Cersei. Because it was culturally accepted with the Targaryens. And also they had some asshole Joffrey, so. That's true. Well, I guess Rhaella and Ares had Viserys, Viserys, who was just as big of an asshole. All right, so second least gross is Tywin and Joanna. Yeah, I'm surprised that they were cousins. So thanks, Dave, for enlightening us that they were related. I mean, just based on, like, relationships, cousins are, I guess it's less gross than brother and sister. Yeah. This is just, like, the worst of the worst kind of rankings, right? <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to have to do Tywin and Joanna. Yeah. And then the least gross is John and Danny because, number one, they didn't know. They don't know they don't that they're know. related. At they all. don't know at all. And not one is way older or way younger. They're the same age. And they didn't grow up together. They, and like, they didn't even know each other. And Daenerys never even knew John's dad. He was right. She, he was she dead. They don't know anything about so. any. But that's what I'm saying. Like, what if at the end of the day, they find out? Even though we think that Daenerys isn't going to find out, but John will. What if it's going to be, John's going to be like, no, but I love her. I don't care. And Daenerys is going to be like, no, but I love him. And I don't care. Do you think it'll ruin their character? It won't ruin bit? their characters, but it will ruin what I like about the show. <laughs> <laughs> I am so convinced that from the previous podcast that John will care about this, that yeah. Daenerys is related. Because even the showrunner said it's not going to, compl- it's only going to complicate them politically plus on a personal level. Yeah. So they're hinting that somebody is going to care. But now that I'm thinking, oh, Tywin and Joanna, what if they I just if, don't care? I think and Daenerys is like, my mom was is also my yeah, aunt. Yeah, I think Daenerys is the one less likely to care. And John is more likely yeah. to care because the Starks just don't do that. And he's Mr. Honest John, right? 
Next question, Marty Hess asks, what's the deal with the reveal near the end of the episode, specifically regarding a name? <laughs> Isn't that name somebody else's? Aegon Targaryen. So let me try to explain. Rhaegar Targaryen has three total children. The first was Aegon Targaryen, his oldest son. The second was Rhaenys Targaryen, his oldest daughter. Those two were killed by the mountain. And then from there... John was born, or and he was also named Aegon. Mm-hmm. While the timelines we have, we are not completely sure. The one thing for sure is that John was born after the original Aegon and Rhaenys were killed. Yep. And after Rhaegar was killed. Yep. So it's either that Rhaegar sent word. He's like, my my son is dead. Mm-hmm. If we have a son, name him mm-hmm. name him Aegon as well. Or Liana was just like, she heard that the, those kids were killed as well. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm going to go with his first name that he liked. Because Aegon's the strongest name in the Targaryen family. Yeah. It's named after Aegon the Conqueror, the guy who came from Essos and destroyed all of Westeros and conquered them on his dragons. So. Right. That's the explanation of the name. So, and I also actually looked up what they used to do in olden times. So, it was customary for if there was an older sibling to die, that the parents would name the younger sibling that same name. And so, there was a lot of common um, names among brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters uh, that they had the same names because they wanted to pass along the name. So definitely, though, the war was over by the time Ned found Lyanna and yeah. she told him that his name is Aegon Targaryen. So for sure, for sure, those two, two Anus and Rhaenys, or sorry, <laughs> Anus. <laughs> If we're not gonna cut us, that. We're we're st- if they hate us. If they hate us, they hate us. Sorry, whatever. guys. Aegon <laughs> and Rainus. Yeah. Which is like the worst name ever, Rainus. Um, no, Anus Targaryen. <laughs> I think that's a name too. You guys can look it up. It's A A E N Y S. Well, anyways, for sure, Aegon and Rainus died before John's name was given. So. I actually don't think it's weird anymore that John's real name is Aegon. And I really hope that this came from George R. R. Martin and that the showrunners just didn't change his name because they didn't feel like using a different name that nobody had a connection to. So I really feel like that it might have come yeah. from George R. R. Martin because of these custom traditions back in the day. Yeah. One thing I just looked up, Anus Targaryen is a person. Oh, God. He was the second Targaryen king, the son of Aegon. Can you imagine if that was John's name and then Bran was voicing that over while John and Danny were having sex? His name is Anus. He is king and he smells like Anus. (laughs) Like, how awkward would that be? Uh, Weird. Speaking of awkward, Lara and Jakovs asked the last question about John and Danny. What do you think John and Danny's reaction to the new family gossip, aka them having incest, (laughs) aka. Danny and John sitting in a tree. K I S S I N C E S T. Will she First honor? First comes love, then comes incest, then, then comes, comes a baby, babies. and a baby dragon. <laughs> Sorry. Will she honor his claim? Will it destroy the alliance? Will she actually get pregnant? Ooh, let's we've, try to answer these three questions. We've kind of discussed them a little bit. Will she honor his claim? I don't think she'll know. No. So 
If she doesn't know, then that's not a question. Okay, but fine. Let's we'll say and, she does know. Okay, fine. Would she honor his claim? I, I don't think so. I like there was an interview uh, that Amelia Clark did. I think uh, a reporter asked her, you know, what do you think since John is the true heir? She was like, I don't want to share my throne. I worked way too hard for yeah. that. And I actually think that's the reason why she wouldn't honor his claim. It's kind of like this whole thing between Stannis and Renly. It's similar, yeah. right? I mean, Daenerys has worked really hard for it. but and she has the dragons, too. She does have the dragons, but I just feel like they are falling for each other. So John, like he bent the knee to her already. So he's not going to even want to give a shit about becoming the king of the That's Seven true. Kingdoms. So I think personally, Danny doesn't have to worry about his yeah. claim. I don't think he's going to follow through with his claim if they both find out. Yeah. So that's my answer. Will it destroy the alliance? No, no. because John doesn't care. He doesn't. And he want already it. bent the knee. Will she actually get pregnant? Yes. Yeah, they've been hundred percent. They've been instilling that she can't get pregnant, and then John even was like, "Well, you shouldn't be listening to a witch John's who murdered your husband." John's- that's like the one smart thing he said during that whole entire meeting. It's because he wanted to get it in. <laughs> John, John, and baby John, during the off season while he was at the wall, he was, you know. Studying to be an OBGYN. He's, he'd learned all about the ancient arts. The science beh- yeah. of how to impregnate a woman. But yeah, for sure, she definitive answer, she will be pregnant. Yep. They did not hide that. All right. So we're done with all the incest. We're done with all the categories, except for one final question. And it's one that we talked about a little last episode. But the question is from Marty Hess. Does this redeem season seven? Does this finale redeem seven, seven, season seven? And what do we what do we think about season seven? How do we feel? Um, okay, does this redeem season seven, the finale? It definitely wrapped up the entire season really well. I think they did a great job of providing every scene to be interesting and good and well acted and it it balanced out the few dumb things that happened early on just like with the shit and the feces and kind of the boring conversations that I always complained about with Sam but then after watching a couple episodes like I was like missing those boring conversations I don't think it redeems the mission so I will still hold that opinion that the way that they need to accomplish their goals, like the ice dragon and getting Cersei a turn and Jamie's turn, could have been written in a completely different way. So I will say, I don't think it redeems the mission. I think it makes the finale made season seven good because I was really pessimistic about it only a few weeks ago. Yeah. I'm going to stick to what I said on the last episode. I I still like the show, and I thought the yes. ending set it up, and I'm actually still excited for season eight, and yep. I'm, I'm actually really excited for season eight. They set up those plot lines really well leading in. Mm-hmm. I actually think they set up interesting plot lines in a better way than last season's mm-hmm. finale. Last season's finale seemed like it was just lining up to be Oh, Daenerys defeats Cersei, and then the White Walkers come. I loved last year's season finale, yeah, but it, though. It, it wasn't was so as, epic. It wasn't. It didn't lend to complex storylines and complex things that could happen, right? Yeah. It, it felt pretty clean cut yep. that it's like, hey, we can celebrate 
we're finally here. Mm-hmm. Whereas this season can kind of lead into more interesting pl- paths mm-hmm. and plot lines with the Night King with the dragon, mm-hmm. with John and Danny's intrigue, mm-hmm. and how is Cersei still going to mm-hmm. play in, in this big war. So, short answer, yes, it did redeem it. Now, I want to rank this season with the rest of them. Okay. I'm going to put it gonna up. Are we going to do first four? Has That doesn't count because that... We have the source material, and it's just going to be based on no. season five to seven. I would, I'm, I know unequivocally that this is the worst season of Game of Thrones. Worse than season five. Yeah. Okay. Because, like you said, when you rewatch season five, most of the reason we complained was because they had Sansa get raped. It's right? just bad shit happening to yeah. good people. Yeah. And yeah. But it was still a well done season, yes. right? Other than the Dorns. Okay, so let's right? think about this. Real For quick. me. Like I, I feel like I can clearly say that the the quality level pretty much dropped. Mm-hmm. Not dramatically. In terms but, of storytelling. But in terms of storytelling, mm-hmm. in terms of writing and how the the pacing, yeah, I didn't complain about it too much at the start, but it, it really did affect what we're used to in terms yeah. of Game of Thrones. The highlight of the season for me was Loot Train mm-hmm. and the ending was good enough. Yeah, I agree. Right? I think season seven so far has been the worst. Yeah. Um, while it didn't That's not deter say, me yeah. from Game of Thrones and make me like, oh, I'm going to give up. I'm not going to watch this. And I think it's a horrible show. No way. Far from it. But I will say, if you were going to rank all seven seasons, this would probably be the worst season. And I will still hold by that season three, for me, is the best season. I would say... And that was the Red Wedding and all of that. I actually think season four is the best. Okay. But the the best episodes of the show still are Battle of the Bastards mm-hmm. and the one after it, The Winds of Winter. Yeah. Right? I don't... I think that was... Of all, all seven years? Yes. I don't know. Red Wedding, though. I, I think that episode is one of the most powerful episodes... But that the, in terms of how it was done, how much emotion it was was there, and how it affected the entire story. I think that episode was just so well done. Just everything about it. The thing is, the Red Wedding sequence is only the last 10, 15 minutes, right? I think everything previously with Sansa and King's Landing was all good. That was when Tyrion and Sansa got married. You kind of see those awkward conversations. Tywin was still there. I don't know. I just think that episode was great. See, for me, the number one episode is still last season's finale because what you're saying, all the scenes were great. Mm-hmm. I think I I can't even remember any of the other scenes in the. That's because you haven't watched in a while. Season six is still fresh in your head. Yeah, but if you think about it, the opening of last season's finale with the piano and the first twenty minutes. Felt mm-hmm. like a movie in itself. It felt like The Godfather and Cersei blowing up the sept, and then Tommen killing himself, and then we get into Jon's heritage, and then we get into Danny like actually getting to Westeros. So I- you think that? Sorry, you think that's better than the Battle of the Bastards, yes. where Daenerys and her dragons burned down the slave ships and marine? Yeah, because that was an awesome moment. That move, that episode was pure action. Mm-hmm. You know me, I do love action. I, I like it a lot. But last season's episode 10 was just far and away, I think, the best directed episode, had the best music, had the best acting, mm-hmm. and every scene was fucking pivotal, except was Sam in it for one second or something? Maybe. I don't know. But 
Just, See, you can't even remember. But that's the only thing I can't remember. Okay. The best moment in Game of Thrones to me still is the John reveal. The, mm-hmm. the reveal of the baby, mm-hmm. Promise Me Ned, and the cut to John's face and mm-hmm. to the King of the North. All right. Like, well, that, that's it for me. Is the Red Wedding better than that? No, I mean, the Red Wedding isn't the happiest, but I just think it was done so well. E- even to this day when I watch it, it, I still get very emotional. So in terms of how just how I react and the way that I feel about it, that episode is just so good. Now, I don't want to keep re-watching that episode because it's my favorite. I'm not saying it's my favorite. I just think it was done well. I agree with you in all your so, points that the Winds of Winter episode was fantastic, and I think it was definitely better than season seven season finale. Um, but in terms of just driving pure emotion, I'm gonna have to still go with right. season three and the episode nine. So I think it's too- every time you get someone to watch Game of Thrones, aren't you waiting for that episode to for them to get to that episode? Yeah, but I think it's two ends of the spectrum. They both have big twists mm-hmm. for people who are not readers, mm-hmm. right? And one is the complete rock bottom saddest part mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that John's King of the North scene is arguably the happiest moment in Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think they're definitely up there in terms of I can understand your argument for it being the most emotional, mm-hmm. but I, I guess I just tend to roll towards the more positive emotional moments okay. of the show. And I don't want to f- forget about Hodor. That was a really great scene. Not that the episode was the best episode. It was a great episode, but we yeah. forgot to mention that scene. What so. was the best episode of this season for you? Of this season? Uh, I'm going to have to say the season finale. I, I enjoyed every single scene in the season finale versus the in the previous episodes, there was some scenes where I'm like, oh, I don't care for this. I so. think I need to rewatch the Loot Train episode, but upon first think, I, I mean, th- I think it is the finale. The finale. Yeah. The Loot Train episode, that battle sequence was probably the best battle this season, yeah. but in terms of full on episode, it, it was a season finale yeah. by far. Okay. So that wraps up our podcast. We thank everybody for listening. We thank everybody for putting up with all of our social media posts. Yeah. Um, thank you for submitting questions. Thank you for supporting us in general. Um, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna keep trying to podcast. We're Maybe. Gonna... <laughs> There's nothing as interesting to talk about as Game of Thrones. Yeah, but. but... I'll convince her. At the least, we'll do a podcast for Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yeah. Just one. I could talk about one, that for a long time. A one shot. But the thing is, otherwise, people aren't going to hear about it, hear from us until 2019. That's okay. People don't really <laughs> care to hear about our voices every week. So well, I'm sure they're fine and we'll live through it. Until mid-December, when the Star Wars The Last Jedi comes out, this is R plus J equals podcast signing out. Yep. Thank you, everyone.